Welcome back, folks. You had the parenthesis last time. I know. There goes my radio voice. So we're going to start this session and talk about 567. Because I got tired of uh, 16-hour fifth steps, 8-hour, I don't have ADHD, but I do have a pain threshold, and maybe it's not as great great as others, but seriously, um, there's some distinctions about uh, what the fifth step says, what it is exactly we're sharing about. And right up front, it's a checklist up to this point. Page 72, into action, chapter 6. Having made a personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Have I done that? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator. Steps 2 and 3, correct? Okay. And to discover the obstacles in our path. 4. We admitted certain defects. Well, wait a minute. We haven't even done a fifth step. What do you mean we've admitted certain defects? When did that happen? Okay. Let me take you back a little bit here to um, 67. Second paragraph near the bottom where it talks about we've placed them before us in black and white. You all see that? By the way, that's the instruction for the fourth column for all those people that are still arguing in Denver. <laughs> there it is, in black and white. <laughs> we admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Every admission I've been taught to do in AA is always about doing it with somebody else. And so when we finished, when we finished a resentment inventory, we read it, or we, 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 he reads it to me. Okay? And so, um, which shortened the fifth step process. Okay? Now, and then I realize, and this just comes from experience of sponsoring people, that after I give an instruction, write column one, I want them to come back to me. And they're going to give me all their, all their stuff in one. Then I give them instructions on two. I might help them do a couple of, couple of them, get, get going. And then, then when they're done, they come back to me and they read everything in two. Do it in three, do it in four, do the same thing with fears, do the same things with, with sex. What have we just done? We're, we've got just about everything done already. And, and there's really no need to redo, right, to be redundant with that. We've already done it. He's done the admission. I was there. I heard it. Unless there's something else, right? And that something else the book is clear about. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. Cast out. This is the difference between our program and virtually every other 12-step recovery type program, and that is we're talking about casting out. We're talking about dealing with, coping with, working on, getting relief from. This is about cast out. Anybody that knows that's been trying to work on their problems, deal with their problems, this 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 stuff, this causing conditions, the spiritual malady, what you know is that relief gets shorter and shorter and shorter. The ability to deal with gets less and less and less. 
and I don't know how much of that stuff I can I can live with before I take another drink of alcohol, or it takes me right out of here. So uh, this is about casting out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. The exact nature of my defects is reliance on self. Okay? There's really not much else to talk about. Right? Um, because most of it has already been covered in the continual reviewing of the, of the four step as they as they write it. This is short. This has brought my fifth steps down from eight hours, sixteen hours, down to two, three, four hours at the most. It's all the same information as if they had sat in my couch for sixteen hours, uh, never having talked about anything at all. The inventory is clearer. What they wrote, they realize what they wrote, they understand what they wrote, they haven't forgotten about what they wrote or why they wrote it. You know, it's all it's it's uh, all very clear, all very fresh. Um, says that um, I'm just going to skip down here in the middle of this paragraph where it says why we should be reading the reason, the best reason we should be doing inventory or fifth steps. The best reason first is if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives, trying to avoid this humbling experience. They have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Now catch this really sneaky line in here. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. There are a ton of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that have shorted this step or that step and are telling you they've had a spiritual awakening as a result of the 12 steps. Okay, and it doesn't take long, to, and it doesn't really matter until I'm asking them for help or they're asking me for help. Okay, but you better find out if your life's on the line. I mean, it is. It's your life on the line. Life's on the line. It may not be their life that's on the line, but if you're a real alcoholic, your life's on the line, and you better find out. Okay, because there's a lot of people that perceive, per, persevere with the rest of the program and short this step, short that step, and claim to have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And really, they had, a, they had a spiritual awakening as a result of four steps, three and a half steps, an eight step, and a few of their amends. You better find out, right? Your life's on, your life's on the line. And, and we're going to drink again, right? Very likely. Um... They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense that we find it necessary. That's a long word for must. Until they told someone else all their life story. So what's left? The nooks and the crannies. right? My, my first fifth step with my sponsor was much like uh, Mike described. It was just like this confession. And like you've heard before, me say before, it was, uh, you know, he was a local um, minister of, in the local Church of Christ. And so uh, when the book talks about going to the such people, I had both rolled into one. So, <laughs> And so it was, it, was, um, it was really beneficial for me. Um, When I started doing the work differently, uh, more thoroughly, following the directions, uh, like we've been outlining here, 
like I said, I was one of the first persons in my first people in, in my A community that I was aware of that was doing this with the steps, doing this with the four step. What are we? What were we doing? Following the directions. Okay. And so, the suggestion to me was to go find three people to fist step with, and then uh, Joe would listen to it. He was he believed in the multiple fist steps because over here on page 74 it talks about it. It says, rightly and naturally we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. And he thought it was important that I share this with the people that I hang around with you know, and be open with them. The more people I'm open with, the more open I become. And I picked people that, I, that may not be doing what I was doing but had a lot of time and recover and I would would understand what I was getting at, and that's another caveat into deciding who's going to listen to your fist step. Can they keep a confidence? Can they be unaffected? And do they understand what we're driving at? Are they not going to try to change my plan? And every single old-timer that I went to that I thought would be cool to do this with was not. <laughs> this was a foreign thing to them. I didn't judge it. I just walked away from it. Now, it would have been really easy for me to just check a box and say, hey, Joe, uh, this is what happened. Can I fist up with you? you? Know who I fist up with? The guys I was sponsoring. Because they were in, they were, they were in this. They were doing it. They knew, they, knew, they knew where I was at, too. Right? We were already on this stuff. So I ended up fist-stepping with, fist with them, and then I ended up fist-stepping with Joe. Um... Now, my first sponsor, after I fist-stepped with him, he was married to a lady in the program, and they pillow-talked. And I was back in the fellowship at a noon meeting the next day, and I heard my fist-step coming out of her mouth. I've shared that story since that happened, and inevitably somebody will come up to me and they say, boy, I hope you don't talk to him anymore. And they went like this shunning, right? And I didn't do that. He wasn't my sponsor anymore. It wasn't the only thing, but it was one of the straws on the camel's back. But uh, but when he when that when that happened, a really amazing thing happened to me, and that was I really got in this place, this nearness of my Creator, this, and really feeling like it, I don't care what people know about me. My first inclination was I could just wire his mouth shut. <laughs> right? Teach him a lesson. And that's as far as it went, right? It's like, who cares? God knows. He's good. He's okay with it. He's brought me this far. What do I care if anybody else knows? It's good enough for God. It's good enough for anybody else whether they like it or not. And I, and I realized I was free. I was free. Um, talks about, uh, again, it talks about changing... What's the plan here? The plan is a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps so I can take it to somebody else. Am I going to give somebody else the power to change that plan? This plan is bigger than the person I'm trying to fist step with. Okay? Then just get out of the way. <laughs> Alright? I'm not going to let you do that. My life's on the line. Yours may not be, but my life's on the line. And the truth is, it's, the, it's a life and death matter on both sides of the equation. Person listening, the person giving. Okay, and it's and it's and it's 
don't know who I was talking to about frustration in sponsoring people, but sometimes I want to ask them, I, not some, almost always I ask them, but why are we doing this? And it's frustrating sometimes when we get here, and we've probably already read it a million times, right? At least they've heard it in a meeting of Big Vasari. That's a life and death errand. And I want to hear that come out of their mouth, and when it doesn't, it drives me up a wall. It's like they have no connection to this as being a life and death errand. It's like, what have we done the last four steps? Why are we doing this? Because it's a life and death errand. You know? Um, After doing this and uh, and taking the hour, like the book like the book suggests, one of the things that um, my sponsor suggested was to consider how I'm having an experience with each of the fifth step promises, not to just check it off like, oh yeah, that's happening to me. And um, one of the things that came to me in the, in the, after my first fifth step was um, that, in, like in four because of the realization in this transition from the third to the fourth column, I began to have a forgiveness for, for the people I resented that I could never come up with on my own. Right? I wanted to. I wasn't raised to hate my parents. I wasn't raised to hate the people in my church. and the co- I wasn't raised that way. And I never wanted to feel that way and think that way about them, but I just could never bring myself back to some sort of forgiveness or letting go. And when I when I came into the fist step and I was done with the fist step, one of the first things about this nearness of the Creator and hand in hand with God and all that other stuff, uh, which I really didn't care about when I my first fist step, but it began to happen, was that I realized that God had forgiven me long before I did this fist step. That God had forgiven me. Bottom line, right? And the only person that hadn't forgiven me was me. I was still carrying around this club going. <coughs> this, you know. One of the things also was that uh, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. And this was on another fifth step, but what a sponsor asked me was, remember when you asked God honestly means to you. You got to this conception. And that became an initial belief system, your first conscious relation. How is that transition to an experience now, three steps later? He wants to hear that. Am I am I in tune with my own step work? Am I in tune with my own spiritual progress? Okay, and that's all. There's no right or wrong answer. Where am I at with it? Am I in tune, or am I just going through the motions? That's the big thing. Am I just giving my sponsor lip service, or am I really in tune and doing this thing? Um, I do put my book on a shelf, and I do take it down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to miss an instruction, right? I don't want the, the one. I don't want to be there to be an instruction that I missed, and I somehow drink again, and wonder. I wonder if that's the one, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we call this thing a spiritual kit of tools, right? And, and I work with all kinds of craftsmen, tradesmen, all day long, right? They claim to be carpenters, right? Some, some might be able to put a window in, okay? But then there's real legitimate carpenters that can build a dam, build a bridge. Same, same basic set of tools, just a different skill level, but they all claim to be at the same skill level, right? And this comes down to how proficient, how effective do I, and how 
understanding do I want to be of my with this tool? Right? Isn't this later on some about growing in understanding and effectiveness? Right? Growing more understanding of God, this program, why? So I can be more effective with you. Period. And the people in front of me, not just you, you. Next my son, my employer, my son's mother, Sancho, whatever. Okay? So not, Sancho's a derogatory term for the guy that <laughs> cock blocks you. <laughs> as, if, as, if, as if cock blocking wasn't uh, derogatory enough. <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a monster, right? Sancho. Okay. I'm going to tell you, here's, here's what I do with step six. It talks about the things that are objectionable. I look at things that are objectionable in my inventory from three perspectives. A, is it objectionable to me? When I review my inventory, is it objectionable to me? Yes, yes, just I'm crossing them out, right? Yes, 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 yes. And then I might still have some left over. Is it objectionable to the spiritual basis of life that I'm trying to live? Here. Yes. Do I want to hold on to it? No. Then, there's another one. Is it objectionable to the people that are closest to me? Do I have people that I sponsor? My family? My coming up to me and saying, Dave, when you do this or when you act this way, it is harmful. It hurts us. It's drives us crazy. Am I going to be so selfish as to hold on to something like that that is objectionable to the people that I love the most that is hurting them? Even though I may not see it as such. Right? Or am I going to hold on to it and say, right? Most times, I'm willing. If I'm not, the book gives me a prayer about what I'm clinging on to, asking God to become willing. Right? Now this is where there seems to be some dispute. <laughs> so do you just go on and do seven? Or can you not go on to seven until you are completely entirely willing? So the whether God removes my defective character or not, Whatever degree of willingness I'm bringing to that isn't necessarily going to invoke him to remove. <laughs> My position on this is that I make the prayer. God, it's very short. It's like a phrase, right? If we still cling to something he, we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. And my inclination is just to keep moving and trust that God will make me willing and move right into that seven-step prayer. Okay? If, if God removes defects based on my willingness, I'd be a saint. Right? Or my, at least my, my, my uh, projected willingness to, to look good that I want to be this white-as-snow person. Right? Be perceived as such. 
and uh, as much vigor as I may want to come to this program or just come to the spiritual way of life and have certain defects removed doesn't always make it so and and then the consideration in the seven step prayer is made that you know God's going to remove the things that uh, that he wants to remove he's going to leave the things that he thinks are helpful to him and in my fellows now I can't use that as an excuse or as a as a cop out right but uh you know, I I tend to be abrasive and confrontational and challenging, sometimes unapproachable in AA. I don't like that about myself. I haven't liked that. I have had a hard time unifying with the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. Not with the fellowship that I crave, like you guys. But mainstream. <laughs> like when I came to AA, it was not a love fest for me. <laughs> I was like, Mike, I'm looking around the rooms like, I don't want what you got, okay? I don't want to catch that shit. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and as much as I would like to be, hold hands and live and let live and till the point of uh, apathy, uh, I I just can't get there, okay? And um, I would love to be able to do that. I would love to drop something. I like to think that it has kind of edged off or smoothed out on you. Um, but on the back side of it, when I look when I look back, there's an entire group of big book people in Fresno A Fresno if I wasn't willing to break away and say, this town needs a meeting like this. Right? And um so that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you. Um, one of the things in the fifth step it talks about is that the alcoholic leads a double life. Uh, more so than most others, right? One of the reasons I happen to know <clears throat> that there are people in this group right here that do multiple fifth steps. In other words, they continuously go through the steps and they also fist up with more than one um, because I'm going to tell you that sometimes you can lead a double life and you don't even know it mm-hmm. you're not awake to it yet all right you're just not awake to it Paul Martin and for those of you that don't know who Paul Martin Paul Martin was my sponsor's sponsor <coughs> toward the his last 20 years of his life Paul Martin died at 62 years sobriety. Paul Martin was uh, sat at the table with Bill and Lois almost every night for dinner, uh, and knew him at, at that, you know, level. Paul had a group in just outside of Chicago, Illinois, and here's what his group did. His group met every Saturday morning, and they worked the first step, read out of the book, and then they worked the second step. And every week they took a new step. Every single time they hit four, everybody in the group wrote an inventory of present stuff, not going way back, you know, before. When it came time to fifth step, you fifth step with 10 to 15 people in your group, right? So you're doing a fourth and fifth step every single 12 weeks is what you're doing. 
And I sat down with Paul. Paul Paul liked extremes. I mean, he didn't even think you were meditating unless you did it two hours a day. I mean, that's the way he was. And I told him, Paul, I have a job. I can't. (laughs) Um, But uh, I asked him, I said, why do you do it this way? I mean, the groups I come from, we go through the steps about an average of once a year. And he said, because the reason most people that get some time after a period of time drink is because they start to lead a double life. And it's got to be out here. People need to know me from that point. (coughs) Now, my first fifth step was a confessional fifth step with Frank. And at the very end, it was sort of funny looking back on it. Um, He asked me at the end of my fifth step, is there anything you left out? And I just put my head straight down, you know, and he goes, what, 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 what is it? He said, I know it ain't sex. I mean, God, you're my hero. uh, uh, And I said, it's criminal. And uh, I had really forgotten by this time that Frank was an attorney. So he said, do you have a dollar? And I said, yeah. And he said, give me a dollar. I gave him a dollar. He wrote out a receipt. He says, I'm now your lawyer. Now tell me the rest of it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that goes on in Alcoholics Anonymous. A guy named Gary Kay, who was recently out here, was a trustee for Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's some things that I found out. And I've heard these things over the years. Do not fifth step with somebody that's going to be hurt by your fifth step. It's about picking the right person. Pick somebody that's been through this deal. And the book calls him a closed mouth, trusted friend. Right? Don't fist up with somebody who's going to get hurt by this. Also, if you're going, if you're going to confess to a crime, you may not want to do it with somebody that doesn't have protection. You may want to go do it with somebody like an attorney. There was a case in California two years ago where Dave comes from in Southern California. They have huge meetings, right? Two, nothing like, you know, it, this happened at the Pacific Group, and how many go there? 1,200 people? 1,500 people every week. And there was a district attorney who was going to the Pacific Group, and he saw a guy come in that they had been looking at for a homicide. He waited until this guy had fifth-stepped. Went to the guy's sponsor, brought him into the police station, and said, you're going to tell us what he said. We don't have privilege, folks. I'm here to tell you that right now. Now, personally, me, probably because I'm older, I'll go to jail. Take me to jail. I ain't going to give it up. But that's the way I am. All right. So if you're going to do something like that, if you've got some pretty serious shit in your past, which I had, you may want to go to the proper appointed authority. However, the rest of the people that I have always fifth-stepped have always been alcoholics in my group, people that, that I need to get to know. Olson and I have fifth-stepped and tenth-stepped with each other for so long we don't hide anything. If you can't fifth-step, and if you can't when we get to the tenth-step, if you don't have tenth-step buddies, I'll tell you why you don't. It's because you're protecting your ego. That's all. 
See, it isn't the big shit I care that you know about me. I don't care that you know I beat the shit out of a San Francisco cop. Makes me look good, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what I don't want you to know about me is that my feelings get hurt because Red walked into the meeting and didn't say hi to me. That's not really what happened. But I'm telling you, I don't want you to know what a petty little guy I can really be. And that's the stuff that I protect. It's not the big stuff. I've never seen an Elkie fade away from the big stuff. And we start to lead this double life where we want you to see us a certain way and then back here I'm living a whole different life. I happen to know pretty well a guy who's used to be, he's no longer around, was on the circuit. This guy could pack a stadium in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I spoke with him on numerous occasions. And he was married. And if they wanted to fill a convention, they'd call this guy. And he was bringing in little new girls from his group in the back room of the back door of the hotel. It's called the double life. I can't live that way. Right? It can be as simple as I want you to see me in a certain light. So if, you, if you're going to pick the person to fifth step with, pick the right person. Pick a closed mouth, trusted friend that you can tell everything to. And I bring up that other stuff just simply for the fact that uh, if you do have something super serious, really, I would go to the person and say to them, I've got some stuff that could incriminate me. Do you want me to fifth step with you? And let them say, you better go to somebody else. All right? Uh, there was something I was going to say. It was just super important about that. Now I forgot it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's about picking the person, then sitting down and getting it all out. And I, too, have, since the first time through, I do put a book up on the shelf. And I take it down because I want to follow the rules. Now, what I was taught to do many years ago with regards to step six is... You sit down. Frank had this thing about <clears throat> people in sobriety, this attitude of, well, I just gave it to God, and I'm just going to go forward, and I just suspect it's God's will, you know. <laughs> and he would just go ballistic over this stuff. He says, God's will is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> He said, you need to know where you're going, right? So what he had me do was he had me do this. I'd come home. I'd, do, I'd review the, the first five proposals. He had me write out every single thing on a piece of paper. He had me put a prayer at the top, draw a line down the middle, and on the left-hand side of the page, he had me write out every single thing that we found objectionable. <laughs> Okay, Now, when I got done with my fifth steps with him and others, there was no... We knew what was objectionable. I also knew every single person I owed an amend to. That there was no gray, believe me. So I wrote down everything that I found objectionable. Because what's a defect of character? What is it? It's a, it's a survival technique. That's all it is. It's something that I've used to survive in the past that worked. 
It just doesn't work no more. That's all. So I list them. Then on the right-hand side of the page, that line, Frank called it the God line. This is not stuff that he really did with his group. He did it with a bunch of us, sort of like an experiment. He liked to experiment with this stuff, and I've used it ever since because I really like it. And on the other side of that line, he had us write out what's the opposite of that defect of character. Lying, what's the opposite? Fear, what's the opposite? Selfishness, what's the opposite? Yeah. And he goes, when you know you don't want to be this man on the left-hand side of the page anymore, and you want to go to the man on the right side of the page, say the seven-step prayer. Make sense? Didn't never took me too long. See, I come out of these fifth steps. I come out of these fifth steps usually so sick of myself I can't stand it. I have thrown up in fifth, my own fifth steps. I have cried in my own fifth steps. I, I get so sick of me in my fifth steps that, and I'm always ready to move on. But with by doing it this way, all of a sudden I start to see that there's certain things I don't want to get rid of. There really and truly is. Now I'm going to give you a good example of this one. <clears throat> When I was a kid, I've told you I was raised by a drunk for a father. He's a very abusive guy. And I learned as a kid, probably seven, eight years old, that when he'd grab the belt and start hitting you, if you just stood there and got pissed and didn't cry, he'd quit. Right? So guess what I did? I, I learned how to grow up and project an entire thing around me, sort of like just Star Trek, whatever, of anger. Why? Because it kept you away from me. Right? And in the world I lived in, it was a good thing to have. I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's not a good thing to have. I'm not a benefit to God by keeping you way out here. Right? I'm not a benefit to God to be walking into a room and projecting this this attitude of screw you, I don't want to know you. That's not what God wants from me. And when it hit me in the middle of a fifth step that it was time to let go of this one, I didn't want to let go of it. Because I had used that for protection since I was a little kid. And I had to pray to God to give me the willingness to let go of that defective character, of my entire aura of anger. Right? We hit on things, folks, that I got to tell you, if you do this work long enough, you're going to hit on some stuff and it's going to blow you away where it came from and how you got it and why you got it and why you're doing it the way you're doing it. And I love Chuck Chamberlain, because Chuck Chamberlain said in that book that somebody was lucky enough to get today, new pair of glasses, i got to find out where this stuff comes from before God will remove it. And i got to find out where it comes from. 
That's why when I write belief system inventory, when I write out the belief system, the second column is where did it come from? Where did that belief come from? So my sixth step is I do this deal. And I do. I look at this thing on the left side of the page. I look at this thing on the right side of the page and ask myself, am I willing to drop this, give it up, and move over here? Now, I can't do that without God. I mean, I don't have the power to do that. And that's when I say my seventh step prayer. And I sincerely mean it from the bottom of my heart. And sometimes with huge trepidation. I'm telling you, my first time through the steps, I remember they were talking all this spiritual mumbo-jumbo jazz. And, and um, I did my fist up with Frank, and I literally got, for the very first time, this peace came about me. And I actually went home, and there was a big thing going on around York Street that if you did a fifth step properly, you could go home and shut off everything and sit there alone in perfect peace and ease. And we would test this stuff. If it says it in the book, we test it, right? And I went home from my very first fifth step, and I was the kind of guy that had to have the music blasting to the absolute max, and, and the second I walked in the house, I'd turn on the TV, and I mean, it was just that way, and I sat there, and, and I ended up sitting there for two hours alone in perfect peace and ease after my first fifth step. We tested the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's real power here, folks. There really is. And I love the way David talked about the fact that this is about getting it removed. This is not about learning my triggers. This is not about you loving me till I love myself. The people that truly love me tell me the truth. They're willing to risk it. They do it with love. They do it because they care. I have told people things that they did not want to hear. They've told me things I don't want to hear. But the people that really care about me are willing to risk that friendship and tell me the truth about me. So that's what I do in 5, 6, and 7. And... Uh, the next session is going to be about eight and nine. A couple of things. Oh, I'm sorry. Just real, just a couple details. Um, you know, at six is where this whole acceptance is the answer to all of my problems comes to an end. <laughs> okay, I can't be looking for something that's objectionable in my inventory if I'm in a position of acceptance is the answer to all my problems. If it's acceptable, then it's not objectionable. So you're either going to have to choose the program of Alcoholics Anonymous or some sub-program that doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you from my experience that that the road of this acceptance thing to, is the answer to all my problems. Because I did get off on a tangent from six years to eight years of sobriety because I thought maybe I'm just too in this and I needed to broaden my horizons in AA. And I got all mixed up in the 12 and 12 and all that stuff. And there's a place for the 12 and 12. It's just not the primary program. But the point was, I got mixed up in this, and acceptance the answer. I was trying to fit in, is what I was trying to do. All right, I was trying to. I was tired of getting arrows shot in my back after every meeting. Okay, and um, where it led me, this acceptance is the answer to all my problems, is down to um, 
apathy, indifference, and then it rolled into depression, self-pity, and what I called it was being patient and tolerant. Okay? I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And then it rolled into sloth and paralyzing fear. And, and that's where I woke up at 8, 9 or so when I went looking for different sponsorship. And that's where I found Joe. And um, the other thing was is that a lot of times you'll hear in these people talking about the, the road narrows in recovery. You'll never find that in this book. You'll find that in another book, and it's used in a completely different context. Okay? I know that much from my seminary training. <laughs> the, book talk, the book talks about a broad highway. Now, here's what I came to grips with about why my sobriety seemed to be uh, becoming a narrow road, because I did, it did seem like that. My experience is, is that sobriety becomes, and the spiritual base of life may seem to be becoming a narrow road because I still want to live the other way. This sheep, this, this, you know, the defect and what God wants over here, I'm still not convinced I want to be over here. I want to do both. I want to do both. Straddle. Straddle. Chicken. Right? I, I can remember inventories where I, I write in security or in, uh, or in ambitions. I want to be free of defects of character, like defect character free. Right? And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. That's a nice little thought. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's in the third column. It should be wholesome. Who doesn't want that? There's a lie in there. Okay. It's not that I really wanted to be free of defects of character. I just wanted to be free of consequence. Because <laughs> when I came out, because when it comes out in self-seeking in the in the uh, in the fourth column, it came out. I really, it's really not the defects of character I want to go away. It's the consequences that come with it. I want to be free of the consequence. But I still want I still want my I want my cake and eat it too. You know? So so the, why does the road seem like it's narrowing in recovery or trying to walk this life whatever? Is because I still want to go the other way. I still want to live the old way, right? And people like us should never really claim that we're walking a narrow road. How could we? You, you look what you've been up to in four, five, six, and seven. How can you possibly all that grace? How can you possibly claim that you're living on a narrow road? You know, I look at it like like. I'm I'm walking down this road that's like God's big ass bowling alley, <laughs> and he puts up gutter guards for guys like me that go like this down the the bowling lane, so I don't like bounce out of the bowling lane, you know. And uh, you know, I just I, I don't see how people like us can even claim that we're walking a narrow road. I mean, to me, as many mistakes as I make, that it just it's just it, to me it's just a broad highway that I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen either side, you know. That's all I got. Well, I, I got to piggyback on that. Because <laughs> I actually spoke at a convention with Dr. Paul, who wrote that line of acceptance is the answer to all my problems that you hear quoted in so many AA meetings. And uh, we're sitting at the speaker dinner, and I looked at him, and I said, Paul, I said, I just think that's bullshit <laughs> and he looked at me and he said quote straight out of his mouth he said Mike so do I he said give me a break I was three years sober and asked to write something and he said what I really meant was after you've worked the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous to accept God's will is the answer to all your problems and he actually tried to get it taken out of the fourth edition big book because it's been so misquoted and so misused. 
I'm not a believer that I personally am not a believer that nothing happens in this world by mistake. I've seen way too much to to believe that, and I think man has free will. I don't want to live in that. I want to live in God's will. Why do I want to live in God's will? To be a great guy? No. I want to live in God's will because I guarantee you that God's plan for me is so, so, it's so much better than my plan was for me. My plan for me was to be on the streets drinking and using meth and, and killing myself and hurting everybody around me. That was my plan for me. So that's all I got. Right. You guys want a raffle? Yeah. 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 yeah.